very happy to be here this evening to, in the name of the Lord to enjoy this great time of fellowship here in this convention. I was happy, said the Thomas, when he said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's a wonderful place to be in the house of the Lord in the service of the King. It's quite a little time getting up here. You've got snow in this country, and this is kind of hard on my southern blood. When it's coming along through about eight inches of snow in Chicago yesterday, I was Meet that field? Y'all fit that field? You bypass something now. I was watching a few moments ago on the singing only bleed, and these little children along here with their hands up singing only bleed. I recognize the little steps that children sing, so they were singing only believe. That's fine. You believe, do you, Deborah? That's fine. Well, it's good to be in Minneapolis tonight. I don't know any place I'd rather be than to be in glory. You know, we were all looking for that great day. But to be assembled here at this uh, convention. I was speaking to one of the brethren out there just a few moments ago when I come up, and he was telling me about a, what a wonderful thing the Lord's doing here in this uh, Twin City area. How that everybody's becoming of one heart and one cause. Now that sounds like abundance of rain to me. And you see that when we begin to break down the barriers and come together, then the Bible said, if the people that are called by my name shall assemble themselves together and pray, then I'll hear from heaven. That's the only way we'll have a revival is when we come together. Just recently, listening to two outstanding clergymen discussing the subject of divine healing in the Bible, each one said, by it would be to think that that the dead could be raised up or the miracles of Jesus could absolutely be possible. But because it was it was too much that uh, such things as that couldn't take on the form that the the healing of the sick and the lepers and so forth, they said, Oh, perhaps maybe it was some tale that was told around or some psychological effect it had on the people. But the thing is that Jesus did it. But then at the end of the their conversation, both of them could believe in the miracle of salvation, forgiveness of sin, which is far beyond any physical healing that could be done. There's the miracle of forgiveness of sin, greatest miracle ever performed when God can take something and convert it and bring it back to itself again, just the same as you could take an animal by science and drop a little drop of water on top of a hog and make it a lamb. Now, that's the miracle of it. Changes whole nature, appetites, attitudes, everything. That's what God does when he saves a man from sin. He changes his entire makeup. So greater a miracle than any, any kind of divine healing that, I, that I've ever seen. And I, by the grace of God, I've seen certainly everything that I could ever think of or hear of done by our Lord Jesus, even to raising up the dead after we were gone. And still I think that salvation is the greatest miracle. Now, we have great things that we can do in the, the realm of faith. Faith works great things for us. And if you brethren here get in your, and you can't have faith till you have love, that's just all there is to it. You just, uh, perfect love casts out all fear, and you, as long as you got fear, you can't have faith, so you got to have love first, drives all fear out, and then, then faith comes in, takes the place of fear. 
So when you have that, you're coming right along. Now, I was thinking of how the Jesus, the God said in Psalms 123, I'm the Lord who healeth all of thy diseases. Well, we look today and we see science and they're doing great things. Doctors are making great operations and great things are taking place. We see the chiropractic on the, on the marching up. And we see the uh, practitioners on the march, and everything that we see is moving upward. And then also the church of the living God is moving upward. Why, things are happening today that 10, 15 years ago people thought would have been a perfect impossibility for things to happen. But today we are seeing it happen. Amen. Someone said, Brown, our brother Brandon, if you're an apostle or a prophet, I said, I never said either one. I said, I said, I was a servant of the Lord. He said, well, do you believe that you have the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, I believe that. He said, well, if you have, why don't you go out here to the hospital and say, all the sick people, get up and follow me out because you're healed. I come to make you well. I said, I want to ask you something, brother. you believe you're a minister? Yes. you believe in salvation for the soul? Certainly. I said, won't you go down to the taverns and say, all you sinners, come on, you're saved. And he said, well, I should have said believe, I think so, said I. <laughs> yeah. So that's what it makes. It's the individual faith in the resurrected Lord that brings the results. Now, here's what it all mounts up to things. I'm very thankful for the ad advanced science. And by the way, a science made a remark the other day and said, if the world could stand, a thousand years, I'll cut 950 off of that, that the world should stand another thousand years, that surgery will be the same as never even thought of. He said that the people were getting so smart and getting into the realms of, of, uh, of the spirit that uh, surgery will not have to be performed anymore. And I said, praise the Lord. I believe that that when man's hearts begin to get right with God and straighten up and look the proposition right in the face, then I believe surgery won't have to be performed. And I, if, if they would stop, I'm very thankful for the hospitals and medical science and, and what we have learned along the line. But here's my application to all of the friends. When ministers and doctors and chiropractors and all can get right with God, and we move on forward with our arms together and our hearts together for the benefit of humanity, it'll be a great day when that happens. And all selfishness and everything is gone. The minister, is, uh, the doctor becomes angry with the minister because most of the time it's a bread and butter ticket and he wants to get the divine healing away from the people. Then that makes the minister talk about the doctor when he ought to be working hand and heart together for the kingdom of God, trying to help their brother or sister that's in need. And I hope to see the day that when the, the church of the living God becomes so strong in faith until those things will take place. This same man, I oughtn't to say this, I suppose. I can't feel at home here. <laughs> children. But look, the man said, Listen, I heard you say in your sermon that Jesus Christ had raised the dead and he was the same yesterday day and forever and ever after due to things. That's true. The scripture says that. So then, why don't you break the bread? Feed the 5,000. Turn the water into wine. I said, well, you have to admit to one thing. I 
say, if we just get a few more steps out of the way, we'll be doing that. We're going all along. We're just moving along. We're coming up the ladder all the time. I said, even the doctors all admit now about divine healing. They said it can be done. Just wait, just give us a little time. We're growing. Making progress. So praise the Lord for that. We're coming up the ladder. Well, some glorious day, I believe that Jesus will come and, and we won't have any more divine healing. We won't need it. And we won't have any more preaching to the sinner because there'll be no sinners to preach to. That's the day we're looking forward to. I want to speak to you just a little while tonight, knowing that you've been in service. I didn't know now that to sit up somewhere that I was supposed to be here this afternoon. We never got into late, however, but I could have drove longer last night than I was out here this afternoon, but I just didn't understand I'm sorry. That I, that I was to be here. Brother Moore said start Sunday night through Sunday night. And I've purposed in my heart to never, by God's help, if they had to pack me in a stretcher to transfer a meeting arrangement, to get to a place to where my appointments are. And I've just started out this New Year's on something new. And Brother Joseph will say be here in a few nights if you haven't. How many get that herald of faith? Is that what it's herald of faith? Brother Jose's paper. Did you read the vision? How many read the vision? And it's, that's fine. Well, we'll be here in a few nights and I'll talk a little more on one of the greatest things. I believe one of the most outstanding things that's ever happened to me in my days of serving the Lord has just happened in the greatest days of all things just to heaven. Remember that. I believe that this 1956 is a turning time. I predict it's not by spiritual inspiration, or I don't say that, not by reason, but this is the turning time for the USA. They'll either accept it this year or they'll be passed off. There's only so many fish to be caught anyhow. And when the pond's all same dry, it won't be no good to cast nets in no more. So there'll be a time. I stood not long ago at the great city of Rome and thought that the great Nero's and Emperors that once were there, the great power of the world existed in Rome, and now you'd have to dig 30 feet underground to find the remains of it. Didn't Athens, Greece, where the, the great Alexander, the great, many of those great men, their old ancient uh, cities are sunk, many of them. Then I thought of myself a few years ago, looked I was just a boy, and now things, and I went to an old tree that I used to go to years ago and watch this great big wind, how masterly the wind blows through them, and how strong it seemed to be. I went to it a few days ago, and it was almost a snag. What is it? It's mortal driven away to immortality. And some great day, this nation that we now live in and love, for come on beneath the spot of the earth, Jesus has. But they're coming to city and a, a body to all the believers. If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting Amen. just to move out and move into. We have a city whose building makers God, some glorious day, and all these that mortal gives away the last one, we'll go to live in that city whether the tree of life will stand on either side of the river, it'll never be a snag, it'll always be a tree. For that glorious day, we now labor in the field for the master. 
Shall we pray just a moment? Upon Heavenly Father, we approach thee tonight upon the invitation of the Lord Jesus that promises that we ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. And we don't even have to have very much faith. No faith in our prayers or nothing in our merits. But upon the invitation that Jesus promised, if you will ask Father anything, I'll do it. Now we ask the Father tonight within the name of the Lord Jesus that if he'll let his presence come into our midst and continue to be in our midst, rather, and to bless us exceedingly abundantly above that which we could even think of tonight. Get in the word, Lord. Take me the Holy Spirit. Take it like straight to every heart. Just as we have need of this glory. We're so thankful to know that this great fellowship here in the Twin Cities among the ministers, God, that means that there's the sound in the mulberry bush, God going on before us. God, I pray that you'll give them not only a citywide revival, but a nationwide statement just before the coming of the Lord. God, may this coming week be one of the greatest weeks, not because that we've gathered here or different, we're not different, but just because that the harvest is right, it's time. Everything looks just right. And we pray, Father, that this will produce one of the greatest meetings that this city has ever had. Amen. Those sinners just pour through the be saved, and those who are without the Holy Spirit be filled. But all night prayer meetings are being home, and people are being so hungry, so meals are being set aside, and God give us an old-fashioned revival just once more before we see the coming of the Lord. Then, Lord, while we ask it in Jesus' name, my son, amen. For this coming week, the Lord willing, I am thankful for the opportunity first to, be, to speak. I'm not much of a speaker. Usually my ministry is healing lines and so forth. And you know by the vision, which I'll explain just what's coming up, one of the, the exceedingly abundantly. But while I'm waiting on that, I got a message for the church. Now, not, I'm not an educated person, and I, I, You'll see that if you will, but I know the author of this book real well. And I got a message for the church. In a few nights, we just keep continuing on for a few nights. I want every sinner, while we're speaking, to take inventory of your own life and place it at the weight of the gospel and see how it comes out. Over in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, I wish to read for uh, reading tonight of the scripture. Just a few verses. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which were offered year by year continually make the turnaround too perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered. But because that the worshiper once heard should have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices is a remembrance again made of sin every year. For if it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin, 
Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body has thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me, but do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings, offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, he said, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God, who taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And the Lord add his blessings to the word, the reading. Now we're going to speak tonight as a text in here to try to find the context of this we have just read upon the reconciliation to the fellowship of God. You know, it's just the time when I never thought of that until I come in the door just a few moments ago and this brother here met me and shook my hand and told me about this great thing going on in the city. Then that come into my mind, right quick. Fellowship. I thought, that's a wonderful thing. God willing, we'll speak on that, the fellowship tonight. What it means to have fellowship. You know, in every human heart, there's something wrong for a fellowship. Why are we here together tonight? You never come out on a night like this and standing around the walls and so forth just to show that you had on a new suit or a new shirt or something. You come because if the church has gathered and you desire that fellowship with the people. That's, that's why I come up to the snow to be up here, because I love fellowship. There's something about uh, Christians that they like to associate together. Mother used to tell me, she said, birds of a feather flock together. Well, that's a whole lot of truth to that. And then you have, you never see the crows and doves feeding together because their appetites are not the same. Their, their diet cannot be the same. Their talk isn't the same. And so is a man that out of fellowship with God has no more and no desire to go to church or do right. And those who are with God long for that fellowship. You just can't stand it. There some time ago when I was pastoring a Baptist church, I was coming down a pole where I'd always worked to make my living, and I was working for the public service, and I was coming down a pole from reading a pole meeting and taking some light pictures up there, some things to fix the lights rather than place to place. And while I was come down, a minister of another prayer from the church, he said, Billy, you know what happened? I said, no. He said, I sent... 500 prayer cards out trying to get the people, or cards, rather, to get the people to come and promise that they'd come to Sunday school at least six months out of the year of our 500 members. You know, I didn't respond to it. I said, I don't have any idea, Dr. Brown. He said, true. Well, I knew they were very formal and indifferent. So I said, you know, Dr. Brown, the reason of it is they don't have the right thing in the heart. If a man is right in his heart and the church bell rings, he just can't stand sick or he just... He's got to go, that's all. It's life and death for He must move. Now, man is always wrong for this fellowship, and the reason that he gives you ever stop to think how, what makes people long for this? What makes men and women long to associate with each other? 
And when you become a Christian, how you long to get in the presence of God. There isn't a person in here that's ever had any excuse for God. But what the greatest joy of your life is when you can get just alone a little while with God. Just cut loose every soul line and get in the super closet and close the door and lift up your hands and just come into that communion. Oh, there's something about it that's marvelous. I've got it in you have to, and just kneel down and weep and weep and just sit and stand it no more. Just thank God I, I just can't. I just can't stand them more of it. I remember little Joseph, my little boy. You know where Joseph was promised in Right here in Minneapolis. About six years before he was born. I was over here one day reading Joseph in the Bible. And I seen how the perfect man he was. We had one little girl at the time, been four years before she came, and she was a Sicilian, and then about four years had passed again. They said they didn't think she'd ever, wife would ever have another child. And I went in and was weeping, and the boy just pulling down. I was in the closet where I had my clothes hanging up here in the hotel. We had a tent meeting going on out here. And um, I was just weeping, and something just like a voice spoke to me and said, You had a son, call his name Joseph. And I went out all elated and happy. And I began to tell everybody about about three or four months afterwards that mother. She knew that she was to be mother again. Someone said, is this Joseph? I said, I don't know. So when it was born, it was a girl. Then everybody laughed. But I thought the Lord never told us anything wrong. I said, he never does. Joseph will be here, don't worry. Years pass on. He always keeps his promise. Don't you believe that? The reason we can love him and put our confidence because he is truthful, we ask promise. Notice. Years pass on by. Four years or more passed again. No sign no more. And one day we found out that she was to be mother again. Some says, this Joseph? I said, I don't know. But I said, he'll be here. And so when he was born, the nurse come down, there's a bunch of us men sitting out in, in the room. She said, Reverend Graham? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you have a fine seven-pound and three-ounce boy. I said, Joseph, you've been a long time coming, Sam, but I'm sure that's what you is. So, that's it. She said, why'd you call him Joseph? I said, that is his name. That's his name, Joseph. So, in that time of fellowship and communion, that's where God fits in. That's where you want to get, get into the spirit of it. You like the place you get in the spirit? That's the only way you can do it. Shut yourself off from the rest of the world and get along with God. And the reason that you like to do that because when the first couple came on earth, Adam and Eve, that's what they did. In the cool of the evening, they come in from their vineyards and got down under the trees, the great cathedral as it was, and as the sun perhaps was setting and speaking down through the bushes, God came down in the cool of the evening and fellowship with Adam and Eve. Oh, my, that comes out on down. Man, yet when you get in contact with God, and man, when you come in contact with your friend, and God is your friend, so you love to commune with him and talk with him. Now, since sin broke that fellowship, man has been tossed about from every wind of doctrine, and he's still tossed about. He was turned out of the garden of Eden to ship for himself, and then, that great time, he's still 
casting about. God made one preparation for man to be restored back to that fellowship. All, nothing else we have tried and offered to the human race, blood was the way back to fellowship. God kills some animals and cuts their skin, sheds the innocent blood of the animal, and brought the skin and wrapped Adam and Eve in it, and fellowship with them again after the setting of the blood. It is God's way, it was God's way, it will always be without change. The fellowship through the blood, reconciliation, bringing the believer back into contact with his neighbor. We've tried to educate people to it, it'll never work. We've tried to drag denominational barriers and say, because you go to this church, a this church, denomination, education, songs, or anything else outside the set blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll never bring fellowship back to the people again as God. We always fence ourselves off and make cuts and plans. But God wants us to pull down that barrier like you all are doing around here now. Bring in the whole body of the Lord Jesus and fellowship around the sacrifice. The Lord Jesus. Why now you talk about spiritual gifts in the church? Just keep that fellowship up and watch what happens. It'll just pull down. God automatically, if you get the thing running right, it'll run and God will add to it. But you've got to get on the right road first. And you're on the right road now. When you go to break into the denominational barriers, or put your arms around one and say, we're brethren. And then you're on your road back. You're on your road to the original. Then the blood of Jesus Christ, God sent cleanses us in all unrighteousness. We have fellowship one with another then. When the blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The only way that God has ever recognized has been through the shed blood. I have nothing against denominations. Those are all right. Nothing against education. That's all right. Nothing against great song festivals. That's all right. Nothing against joining church or whatever you may be. It's all right. But it will never, never produce until the blood's been applied. The blood applied to the human heart will always bring a result. That's what we need tonight. And when you get that, then things will just automatically take place when we do that. Now we notice all down to the end how God has always recognized that one thing, that blood. That's the only thing that will even accept will be the blood. Now after Eden, after children of God was driven from the Eden because of his sin, God made a way just to stand between until the day of full redemption would come. The oldest book in the Bible is Job. Now the old, old gospel, this old time gospel, it don't have to have fancy words that must be laid out in its simplicity and accepted on those grounds. It'll bear results. You believe it? Yes, sir. Just accept it in its simple way. Nothing all broke up. Nothing great and high that you can't reach. The kingdom of heaven is right at your hand. Many times we make it so complicated with creeds and different things to do with different isms and things that we've made up and thought in our fleshly mind. And we many times see that God sinners far away from God. But just make it simple. A little children would understand. And then it'll lift up Christ and he said, I'll draw a man unto me. Notice. 
Job, the oldest book in the Bible. He was a righteous man. God said there was none on earth like him. And when he got into trouble, and God turned Satan loose upon him, did you notice how that God had to do it first? Here some time ago, I was amazed as I was standing in an eastern country, the oriental country, and I heard this picture of St. John, the, the fifth chapter where Jesus said, I am the door to the sheep's home. I always wondered how that could be, that Jesus, a man, could be a door to the sheep's home. I couldn't understand it until I got into the country and see what it really was. It's amazing to see how the Bible seems when you go into the land where it was written. And see how the all Western interpretation of it is many times contrary to the Eastern tradition. And the highway said that the shepherd has a fold. And he drives the sheep in there, and after the sheep is in, he lays down in the door. Therefore, no sheep can go out or no wolf can come in unless it comes over the shepherd. Think of it. How safely you are. Two nights ago, I woke up and I had a sermon on my heart of resting. I didn't have no audience, so I had a one-woman audience, my wife. I woke up, I said, honey, just got to preach to you a minute. I did about three hours. <laughs> oh, resting! The Christian experience is very solemn and holy. But they rest. Come under me, all you other ladies, I'll give you a rest. You're tossed about with everything until you come to Christ, then it's all finished. Resting in Christ, perfect ease, no matter what comes or goes, nothing can touch us, but out it comes over the shepherd. He has to permit it. The Bible said all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Has to come over the shepherd first, that I'm the door. No man can come in without me except let me, let me tell you that when God permits anything, it's working for your good. Would sickness be the same thing? Certainly. That God might heal you to show great testimony, give you a little something to move on for. All things work together for good. Notice in that how beautifully that the shepherd laid himself at the door to be the go between all the blocks. Now, I thought there in my text of Job how that Job being tested and tried. How did he know that he was righteous because he had offered the sacrifice, the burnt offering, and stood firm on it? No matter how many of these church members said, Job, you're wrong, your secret sinner, Job knew that he had confessed his sin and had offered God's appropriate offer, the one that God had required to be offered, the burnt sacrifice. He knows he was righteous in the sight of God. Oh, Christians now, who you fall away and run back and run out and run in and out and then you think, well, I, I can't make it. You couldn't make it in the first place. Not your place to make it. God's already made it for you. In Christ, the price is fully paid. The only thing you have to do is to accept God's provided grace and ten minutes, no matter what takes place, don't move rest. The shepherd's watching over his sheep. He knows even a sparrow. How much more does he know about you? I know it's another thing if you excuse me getting off my line of talk a moment. I'm thinking about shepherds. You know, a shepherd in them eastern countries has more respect than anybody else. Going down through the street all at once, there's a 
cars are fried and everything. I wonder what's taking place in these little old British jeeps. And the first thing you know, it was a shepherd crossing the street with his sheep. And there, all the traffic held up, put in the highway. That's the way our shepherd is. Amen. We get the right away. We'll leave his sheep. Nothing's going to harm about it. On on around and up on the mountain, I noticed there was a lot of shepherds up there, and they were herding different kinds of animals. There were some donkeys they were herding, and some of them were camels, and, and some were just goats. And I said, well, a shepherd means just a herder. Yes, he said, that's right, Brother Branham. A shepherd is a grazeman or a herder. But he said, you know, the strange thing, that the shepherd is a pot more to his sheep than anything else. He said, now they both eat the same food, the same grass, but when nighttime comes, the mules, the goats are all left out, and the shepherd calls his sheep and takes them into the sheep hole. Oh, God. That's what I want to be a sheep. Nighttime's going to fall one of these days. Just the sheep are going in. God calling. You're just a church member. If you know any more, you just join the church. Or if you don't know Christ by an experience. Or you say, I know our creed, I know my catechism. To know that catechism is life, to know Christ is life. Amen. Not to know your creed, not to know your doctrine of your church, but to know Him. Amen. Him alone is life. To know Him. Another amazing thing I noticed. The shepherd had come right down through the street, and on the side, the man with the produce laying out there would be all kinds of appetizing things for the sheep. But the fellow that was driving in the little jeep and pulled over to one side said, Now, Brother Branham, watch this. They see that shepherd in that market street there. I said, Yes, sir. Said, Now, watch him for a few minutes. And he walked down through that street. There were about 50 sheep following him. Walked right down to where all damn fine things, pears and vegetables and things there, and I would be very attention to the sheep. But then sheep followed the shepherd and never looked right or left, just went right on through with the shepherd. That shepherd could step out of line like this, and every one of them sheep would take the same line going right through. Oh, my. I said, brother, excuse me for a minute, I just got to praise the Lord. Falling in the foot. Of the shepherds, my sheep know my voice. The stranger they'll not follow. Just move where he'd move. He'd go right there and just tip it on every hand, every head. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. Don't look to yourself. Look at the shepherd and move on. Now, Job, he had offered the sacrifice. He knows that he was righteous, not in himself. But he was righteous because he had met God's requirements. That's how I know we are righteous when we meet what God said. Now, God never at no time said first to John 6, yet that's good. Did you know there never was a commission given in the New Testament for us to go build churches? You know there never was a commission for us to set organizations up? Did you ever know that? Let me bring it a little farther. Did you know we never was commissioned to build a church? A school, a hospital, they're all, that's all all right. But the commission of the church is preach the gospel to every preacher. Then he will return. 
to all the world, and then Jesus will return. And we're living in the days that when this world has got the greatest history it's ever had in all the history of time. We'll get through that this week when we come into the secret of Bible place, and then the junction at the end of the road as we go on through the week and you watch and take notes and check it up, and the next night come back and find out if that's right or not. Look at it in the face of the scripture. Then you know you're right. The Bible said that the time would come when Satan would be so, so cunning and so shrewd till he would deceive the very elect as possible. We have to watch. Watch our churches. There's rising things in the world today that's not right. You know it. Even signs and wonders being performed that's not according to the scripture. It's right, it's not, it's often beaten past. So that's why I've taken this time out. Kind of get into the church and say, be ready. Watch it. If it doesn't color up with the scripture, then it's not right. Got to come from the Bible. The Bible said that there'd be false prophets and false Christ and so forth and raise the last thing. So in great times and money, there's so much that would deceive that very elect if possible. Dangerous times. Our church is setting out the grip of it. The full gospel people, because they accept signs and wonders, but be careful where it comes from. That comes from the Lord. Remember, the Antichrist is going to do the same thing. So there's only one way that you can be sure. That's get under the blood. Stay under the blood. That's God's way. You're hit away, then the devil couldn't get to you if had Why, if the shepherds ran at the door, the devil would have to cross him first. Can't do it. Try coming into this secret place with the Lord. Job knowing that no matter what karma went, he's still stayed right with it. Israel's only place in the Old Testament where they ever had fellowship was under the shed blood. No matter where people was, they come up to the temple where the blood was shed and there they had fellowship with each other there under the shed blood. No other fellowship, nowhere else. When you come into the temple, the first thing you did, come up, be cleansed by the washing of the water, a separation from the outside, come out of the seven streets on the door, showing that something died to go before you seven streets of blood, then into the fellowship. By faith are you saved through grace, that's right. But then by one spirit, we're all baptized into one fellowship. The body of the Lord Jesus and partakers of his blessings and its marvelous fellowship. Notice, Israel met at this temple, and there they come together, a proselyte before it to be coming had to be circumcised. That's coming by the cutting off of the flesh of the four sins of the nail. Then a man, before he can come to Christ, the first thing has to take place. He has to be circumcised. Circumcised not the flesh, but by the spirit that cuts all the world and the foolishness of the world, cut off of him by the gospel. This is the best circumcision night and the only one that I know of. Hebrews 4 said the word of God is sharper than a pure sword, cutting even to the mire of the bone and the discerner of the top of the mind. God knows the heart. Notice then when he's circumcised. All the world cut off as a believer who comes to the water of separation, which is the word, preaching the word. 
Then he comes and recognizes that something died to go before him. There's the seven stripes on the door where Ella easily put it with his fingers in the turning of the red heifer and strike the door with the blood to let the worshippers see. Exodus, about 16th chapter, you'd read it if you want to read it tomorrow. And then you'll find out through the gilded pepper burner made of waters of separation that kept in the courts on the outside that every time a man turned out, got out of fellowship, the first thing he did was come and be cleansed by the waters of separation. The only way a man can recognize that he's a sinner is by hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by him. And over in the, old, in the New Testament said, we are washed through the waters by the word. And the word is what separates us from the things of the world. You can't have faith. Faith not based upon the shifting sense of man's theology. Faith not based upon the document of some church or some creed. Faith is based only on the immovable words of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and a man through that separates himself from the things of the world, and he's coming to Christ. Then as Eliezer had to kill the heifer, burning her, while she was bleeding, he made a public testimony, dipping his fingers and striping seven times over the door. That seven times would you have time to go into it represents the seven churches that every age, every person, every time must recognize the blood. For without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Then before you can come into fellowship, he had to look up and recognize that something died in his spirit and went on before him. Every man to break, no matter how many churches you join, how many pages you turn, You've got to recognize that Christ died in your spirit and went on before you and making a way into his blood you are sanctified vessel into the law. Amen. Not your sanctification, not laying something you did, but his sanctification. To him who gave himself for us, died in our spirit. Let that faith go to work down in the heart one time and watch what takes place. All of you, you don't have to take some man's food, you got the word. That's right. Then this believer, as he went on in to the temple, recognizing that this blood went before him when he crossed under the blood. Not over the blood, but under the blood. Amen. Church, there's where we make the mistake. We come out of the seminary and we think we know more about it with God's death. And we just count the blood of Jesus Christ as if it wasn't nothing and trust in our education, our students, and our day of science and things and things that we got better churches and so forth, but we got weaker pulpits. Right. You see? Notice, friends, when you respect the blood of the Lord Jesus. Some time ago, John Floyd, a friend of mine, was that Ross Halloween, friends, and he was taking him out to a garden, he and his wife, and was showing him the statues and so forth. And there was a statue of Christ. John said, look at it. He said, Brother Branham, I looked at it. It just didn't look right. I didn't see why they put a statue like that as a shrine to Christ. He said, there was no suffering, no pity. Just an old piece of rock look out hanging there, heat out on the cross. And said, the guide said to me, kind sir, said, you're perhaps criticizing the sculpture. He said, yes, I am. He said, you're just not looking at it right. He said, you see, there's an altar down below it. 
He said, now you go kneel down at that altar, and then we'll look up, and then come back and tell me what you think. So he went down and knelt and said at the altar, raised his head up and said his heart almost failed. There was the suffering. There was the, the agony of Christ. The sculpture had cut out into the face of the cruel suffering that he did. And it made a difference. It turned the critics into tears. That's the way it is with God's Word. God's Word's not supposed to be learned like a newspaper story. It's not supposed to be tried to figure out. It's to get on. Look up to it. Can God be merciful to me and give me faith to believe the word I accept now? The blood of the Lord Jesus and my sins. Then it'll look a lot different. It'll make critics believe in divine healing. It'll make those without the Holy Spirit never been born again, knows nothing about God as a new birth, become a speaker of the Holy Ghost and not to be an argument. It'll put a love in his heart when he looks through the blood of Christ to the word. I say, yes, God, you died to make that word real to me. It'll change your whole attitude. It'll make you a different person. Notice, what a time. Now, the worshiper then come inside. He was in that blessed fellowship of the believers. And now today, when the worshiper comes through the blood of the Lord Jesus and comes into the tabernacle of the tent of the believers, with the firstborn of the church, the Hold those bride, then you have fellowship one with another. While the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. I've thought many times, taking the Old Testament, my first study back to school, I'd think, oh, I love the Old Testament for it was a type of the new, and the worship of coming, knowing that he was guilty, and he must die because he trespassed against God who broken his laws. And he come with the lamb under his arm, and he brought the lamb up to the priest. And he laid the lamb down, put his hands up on the, the lamb, and confessed his sin and his throatless lamp. Did you ever hear a lamb die? It's the most pitiful thing you ever heard. Even a poor little lamb, when you go to kill it, and he sees even the instrument, you go to kill it, and he starts crying and begging. There's some time ago, I watched him as go to chop the lamb's head off a butcher to kill it. And that poor little lamb saw that axe coming and just started crying and going on. I, I couldn't say that. Now watch this, take the little lamb in there, and the lamp's not going to throat. And when it's a dying, he's kicking his hands with babies with the blood. And he looks up to Jehovah and says, Jehovah, that should be me. But the lamb's taking my place. But that man went back out with the same desire in his heart to sin that he ever had. Because the life that was in the blood of the lamb was an animal life. And the animal life, animal spirit, couldn't come back and blend with the human spirit, for one is an animal and the other is a human. But when Jesus, Paul of Calvary, and the worshiper ever comes to Calvary, and by his faith raises his hands upon the head of the Son of God when he's confessing he's wrong, and he feels the terror and agony of Calvary that really paid his price, the death that he should pay, he feels that in his own soul. And the life that was in the blood cell of Jesus Christ was not in God himself. And when that Holy Spirit that was in Christ's blood comes back on and makes him a new creature in Christ Jesus. Therefore, that man's spirit blended out. And God comes in and takes over. Then we got fellowship one with another. 
and the very God that created the heavens and earth that wrote his words dwells in you and you believe that everything God wrote is the truth. And you'll accept it and believe it and hold on to it. And you'll have fellowship. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we get it in great rallies. That's how we come together because something in us constrains us to one another. We have things on a common ground. Your heart aches to come to church. Your heart aches to fellowship. The saints of dark hours coming just ahead of us for we will be deprived of this. Just a moment before closing, I want to say this word. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam was turned away and Eve because they had sinned and God cannot bear sin, here's one thing, God is, I can make a promise, I can break it. I can make a promise not able to fulfill it. But God can't make a promise without fulfilling it because he's God, he's got to keep his word. No matter what comes or goes, God's obligated to his word. That's why they're standing before the congregations of healing. That's why they're standing by the reason. God made the promise. He has to keep it. He's bound to his word. No matter how bad I am and how bad you are, accept it. God's obligated to keep it. He'll do it. That's why in Africa, amongst the witch doctors, in India, amongst the hoodies coming there, trying to put a spell on me and all that, I didn't get scared. Oh, I knew I was covered by the blood of the Lord. I had fellowship with him. I talked with him. He was the one directed me to go, and I know he could keep that which I had committed to him against the day. He himself was sitting paralyzed when he was sitting there. How they call a storm and try to take the place down. Raise your hands to heaven and say, God of heaven, you made all things. Stop that storm. And the five minutes the sun be shining. But it is, it's a hidden life consecrated away with Christ where all things become possible. The great things that used to be, we don't look at it, but just look off and say, well, there was something else. Get down and look up to him through the blood one time and see how much difference they left. There are real promises there for you. When God's keeping his word to Adam and heaven, depart from his midst and then I can see as those children, Adam and Eve, great, beautiful, I can imagine Eve to be the most beautiful woman the world ever saw. Standing in Athens not long ago, I was looking at a, uh, where an artist had painted a picture of Eve and Adam. Oh, it was a discredit to humanity. Eve uh, looked like a prehistoric animal. And there she stood in a horrible-looking condition, and Adam with hairs out of his nose run way out like that. That goes to show what the unconverted mind has to God. A man that's ever come in contact with God knows God doesn't do such things as that. They were perfect. And after they had sinned, notice, when they had sinned and realized they had done wrong, and Eve, Adam never sinned, the Bible said that he was not, he that Eve sinned. And Adam loved Eve so well till he took his place with her to leave the garden. Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't. And Adam was a type of Christ and every sinner. And Christ was not deceived, and neither was he a sinner. But he come down and so loved his first Eve that he went to Calvary for her to redeem her back again. Christ comes to take the sinner's place. Did you ever think of it, sir? I thought this mean, unlovable, mean, not worthy. And Christ, the Son of God, came down and became me that I, through his grace, might become him. 
And we stand in the presence of God, not as sinners, but as sons and daughters of God, washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That ought to tear the heart of any sinner to realize that Christ becomes sin, that you through the righteousness of his obedience to God might become sin in the presence of God. The same without a blemish or out of stone. Through the shed blood of his offering. Now I see even Adam standing there, heard the sickness of death pronounced upon him, and the tears running down Adam's cheeks, and dropping off on the Eve's head, and her with her little head laying over on his shoulder, and it had to depart out of the presence of God, standing there wrapped in those old bloody sheepskin. And as they started out of the garden in the presence of God, I can hear them old sheepskin flapping together on their legs like that as they went out. God the Father looking down and seeing his children being turned out like that because of disobedience, he stopped them and he couldn't stand it. He said, I'll put enmity between her seed and, and the serpent's seed, and his head will bruise her heel, and her heel shall bruise his head, promising a deliverer. Down through the years, the only place for fellowship coming between that time, waiting for the come of that promise, was through the offering of a burnt sacrifice of lamb. And finally, one day, 4,000 years later, down in the city of Jerusalem, let's take a little trip down into the streets of Jerusalem. Leads out by the Damascus gate or goes out to the hill of Golgotha. Let's pull up the street. I hear a noise outside. What is it? He hears someone saying, away with such a fellow. I see a little woman running from the crowd. So what you done but preach the gospel and heal your sick and do good things? I see somebody sore aside and say, you listen to that woman in the street of priest? Would you turn that, accept what that woman said and turn the priest down there? Certainly away with him. What's this man down I hear something dragging, bumping, coming down the cobblestone. And I look and I see a little frail body of about 120 pounds. They're across equal his weight, laying on his shoulder, coming down the street, dragging it along, rubbing his head against the side of it, and the thorns breaking his brow, and the blood coming down. His body being rubbed like this as he walks down through the street. I hear the bump, bump, bump of that old cross. After a while, I begin to notice. All over his head, rolled that sword over his back, rolled him out without food. Seen to take him up to Calvary and take that off of him and vulgar nakedness exposing him there. But with this robe over his shoulder as he walked down the street, I noticed little red spots all over the back of that robe. And as he goes on towards Golgotha, I noticed it get bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger. That's why we all run into one, one great big solid mass of red. I hear something beating again. What is it? It's that promise God made back there in the Garden of Eden. That's the second Adam going on to die in their place. That's the blood of the Lord Jesus. It gets that thing, the blood running down his legs and dragging out the footprints of the barrier as the cross moved up. Seeing Paul when he rode up to Golgotha, as he goes up the hill there, the bee of death singing around him, trying to buzz and tell him, it won't be long now. You're going to, you're going to Calvary. Won't you take it back? Jesus wouldn't pay attention to that. This bee singing at him. The thing of death always been a horrible thing. It's kept man set up for years. But did you ever notice? You know, little insects like bees and things that have stingers in them. If that stinger ever one time anchors deeply, it pulls out when the bee goes away, and the stinger's pulled out of the bee, and the bee can't sting no more. That's what Jesus done to death to the believers. 
when death was standing around him. He pulled a stinger out of death when he went to death. And now death has no sting. So he wanted a great thing called that old death saves your sting. Grave, where is your victory? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory to our Lord Jesus Christ. The stinger's been pulled out of death for every man who will confess his sins and accept Jesus Christ's death and his sin. You believe that? As those things anymore, I believe not long ago, I walked into the room where an old lady was going awake one morning, and she looked over to me, and she said, I said, well, Sister Fulman, what about it? She said, I love him, Brother Branham, with all my heart. Just think of it, it won't be very long now, till I'll be in his presence. And what a glorious morning that'll be, standing by the side of Paul Raider. Many of you knew Paul Raider, didn't you? How he fought to win the prize of standing in California under the influence of a, a great denomination that broke him down. And there he was dying with a cancer in the room. The little moody Bible uh, quartet was down singing for him. And when he got ready for the die, Paul had quite a sense of humor. He said, hey, he's dying here, me and you. But raise on curtains and sing this and snappy gospel song. And he got to singing down at the cross where my Savior died. Down there for cleansing from sin, I cried, there through my heart was the blood applied. Glory to him. Paul said, that sounds better. He said, where's Luke? That's his brother that always went with him. They traveled together like Billy, my boy, and all. And when he got, he said he's in the next room. He couldn't stand to see his brother drove. He said, tell him to come here. And when he got up close to him, he reached over and got a hold of Luke's hand. He said, Luke, we've come a long way together, brother. Never think of it. In five minutes from now, I'll be standing in the presence of Jesus Christ, cold in his righteousness. Jesus got his hands and went to meet God. Oh, let my end be like that. Let me when I come to you in the Lord. There's a big place set right there before me. It's set before every person here. It's called death. Every time your heart beats you, move one, be closer to that. And one of these days you're going in at the door. That may be before the sun rises in the morning for some. Did you ever think of that? No what time your car will be taken from the left of crown and glory, and you'll have to answer the end of that medicine in the world to hold you here. And here's what I want to do when I come to you in the road myself. When I see you near the breakers of the Lord, you want to know I got to go to that. I want to have this assurance that I know him in the power of his resurrection, that when he calls from among the dead, I'll come out and be here. You can only do it through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. Shall we bow our heads a moment for prayer? While we all have our heads bowed and everyone in prayer, I wonder tonight if that be, and I'm just, I don't know, my brother, but I wonder if there's one who really never has been brought under subjection to the Holy Spirit, given your life over completely until God rules and reigns supremely, and the life that you now live is a changed life. I've seen Christians that tried to do it. They just couldn't do it too much. They just had so many ups and downs that couldn't do it. I wonder if there's a person in here in divine presence just now that has confidence in Christ that wants to be received into his kingdom from Brother Brown. I now raise my hand to Almighty God and ask him to be merciful to me. I want you to remember me in prayer right now. That God will give me that life of Him. That I know that I'll have that fellowship that I've once desired and always desired. I want it now. While we have our heads bowed, 
I wonder if someone would raise up their hand to God and say, God, this is my hand. I want that real true fellowship. God bless you. And you. Up in the balcony. God bless you. Sweet sister. Someone else up there. Raise your hand and say, God, this is my hand. This is all I can do, Lord. I, you know my desires. I'm just raising my hand to ask if you'll be merciful to me. And yes, the lady over here. God bless you. And the lady there. God bless you, sister. Someone else. Just put their hand up. Not to me. I'm just a man. But to God. And say, God, I really want that fellowship. I want the blood to cleanse me just now from all of my evil ways, my evil thinking. I got this place that I, I belong to church, but I just, I just haven't got what I need. I know. If I die, if I know my time is called right now, I say, God, give me another hour to get straightened up. Ah, God, I want you to get from me now that I can come in this perfect fellowship where I know the soon you're coming, the whole world's in a turmoil, and I'm looking forward to the coming of the Lord, and I want to be remembered, God, when I come to the end of the road. I raise my hand now to you, God, and ask that you will help me. Or someone else put up their hand, four or five hands just went up, and I see you up in the balcony there. God bless you, God. I said, my dear sister. Oh, now someone else in the balcony up there. Say, God, be merciful to me. I need Jesus just now. I want him with all my heart. If you have confidence, I've been here in healing services and so forth. And I say this humbly, reverently. You know I do. I don't mean to say this for any personal thing. But see the reason happen. Watch what takes place in contact with that other world beyond you. Oh, if I didn't have that tonight, I don't know why I'd do this. I don't know how I could face, how I could face even the public, how I could face my wife, my children, let alone face God. You believe God hears my prayer and you want to be remembered? Will you just raise your hand and say, please, God? Some sinner friend, maybe you've never accepted Christ all your life. And you want to be remembered at prayer. Just now, would you step up to him? God bless you, lady. God bless you, buddy. God bless you. That's fine. Somebody else say, I hear that, Lord. It's me, you're talking to my heart right now, and you might not talk to it anymore. Just a few nights ago, I called to a place where a woman had been a piano player in a church. Oh, she thought surely she was right. She'd never come to that place. And when she was done, she started screaming. And she, her pastor, ran down and said, I hear, hear, you're getting excited. She said, you deceiver? Why do you let me go like this? She said, come here, doctor, give her a hypo. She said, I want to see that. And he put a hypo. He said, give her another. I want to see Well, she stopped her lips with a hypo. But that soul, she'll have to live with it through all ages. That she grieved away in a many meetings when an altar call was made. And she rejected the phone call. She thought she was right. There's a way to see it right into a man. My brother and sister, if you haven't got a constant abiding fellowship with Christ, you're needed. Don't be deceived. But I feel him say, God, it's me. I don't care how long the dawn says, God, it's me. I, I want fellowship. I want to know where I am. I want to be with you, Lord. Will you put your hand up now and say, remember me in prayer? I'll bet you later. I'll bet you better. That's it. Here's three more. Put up your hand. Just a little longer now. Just waiting for a few minutes longer. I'm now, I believe you, Lord, I'm, I want to come through your blood, I want to pray for I'm sweetly abiding, God bless you, sister. See you in the Holy Spirit, just speaking right around. The different ones, I want to be remembered, you, Brother Brandon. God bless you, sister, over here, I see your hand over here to the left. I want to be remembered just now. I want you to help me, dear God. Now, Father, let them making up their mind and music playing sweetly. 
Because I promise I'll be. Oh, Lamb of God, here I come. I'm coming right now to the altar. I'd just like for you to come and stand right here at the altar just a moment. Let me pray with you. Lay hands on you like a be on the strips of blind and afflicted this week. We'll be telling about the experiences over in India where 500,000 people more come to the meetings and the things that God did. And just watch and silly. You know, well, nothing, I'm not a fanatic. I don't just try to misrepresent things. I try to be honest and tell the truth. As far as I have knowledge to tell, if you believe God is there, you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you come here and shake your hand, stand here? Just make your way out. Follow all these to your head back. Thank you, sweet and softly. For, uh, because I promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I promise.